Amen. Let's grab our Bibles today. Go to Luke chapter 2. We'll refer to some other passages, but I hope I can get across a main thought that was a a real blessing slash challenge, um, exhortation to me personally recently. Reading through this passage uh, was prompted by Oswald Chambers' devotion on August the 7th. And he made reference to this passage of Scripture where the guardians, we call them, I call them, um, Joseph and Mary of the Lord Jesus Christ on His earthly ministry, His guardians, had gone to Jerusalem as was their habit, okay? And uh, His parents, verse 41 of chapter 2 of uh, Luke, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. Every year. Faithful. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. So when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph, his mother, knew not of it. They traveled in groups and families. It's called a company here. They had, like when you have company over, or you go somewhere... Uh, it was safer in those days, as it is nowadays in many ways, to travel in groups at certain places. So they were traveling together, and they just made an assumption. They assumed he was with someone else, you know, with an uncle or whoever. And verse 44, they supposed him to have been in the company when a day's journey. And they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance, and when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. Now the Bible tells you in verse 46 that after three days they found him. So some say, which is logical, a day out, a day back, a day looking. Whatever it is, it's been three days. And they were looking for him, and they found him not. They turned back to Jerusalem, and, and after they couldn't find him in the company, seeking him. And after three days, it says, they found him in the temple. So they may have been looking for him three days all over the place. But here is the picture that I see. In verse 49, in verse 48, his mother says, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he's about to correct her and remind her who his father, capital F, is. And may I say this, I'm not splitting hairs. Joseph was never... The Lord Jesus' stepfather, he was his foster father. Big difference. Okay? Big difference. And he answers her, how is it that ye sought me? That's my question for the next few minutes. How is it? How is it? Not like, why did you seek me? But how is it you sought me? Watch. Wist ye not? Know ye not? Simple, easy to understand that word. Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And the picture is, and the comment is saying, how did you go about looking for me, mother? Because if you had, this would have been the first place you looked. Now, you know when you misplace something, okay? Somebody's going to say to you, unless you find it quickly, where do you, did you have it last? Or sometimes they're smart enough or wise enough to say, where do you remember having it? last okay and there's some coordination between where you had it last 
and where you find it. But there's also a correlation between where you look last and where you find it, as his parents did. So Jesus didn't say, why did you seek me, but how? How is it that you sought me? What was your process? What was the manner in which? And to me, that's a good challenge. In other words, how is often just as important as your why or your who, and how often directs you to where and to when. And so it might mean a mindset or the manner in which we do something or a method or motives we're using. Had they and and would I consider what God had put on him, the Father's calling, the Father's conception of him, the the consecration, the conversations they'd all had, the communication from the angels, then they would have looked for him first in the temple, in his father's house. You know, in the Bible, there's promises starting way over in Deuteronomy 4. There's some beautiful promises about seeking God. And those are promises that should be claimed. Uh, I think people are missing out a lot. Uh, Take all the conditions he gives, but understand that he says, you know, I want you to seek me and I want to bless you when you do seek me. He said, But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, and thou shalt find him, if thou seek him with all thy heart, with all thy soul. The picture is, and there's many other verses, that we're looking for him. Now, I think it's a big error when people try to dissect the Bible based on their own predisposition. For example, I've heard it said over in John 1.41 where it says, We have found him. You know, and they're like, no one was looking for God. That's not true. There was an expectation amongst many who took the word at its face value. And many of them were the common people, the tradesmen of the day, took it at its face value instead of critiquing the words of God, the words of Scripture. And they were looking. They were hoping for the Messiah. It's all proper the way it was written. There was one time I got the Lord Jesus healed a man there at the pool of Bethesda. And your Bible says, it's so amazing to me. Your Bible says that whoever got in first at that season, when the water was moved, whoever got in first got healed. And there was a man, it says he lie there, not lies and not tell the truth. He was impotent. He was crippled. Do you think the Lord Jesus Christ is going to heal a guy who's lying and procrastinating? No. He couldn't get there in time. No matter how fast he tried to crawl, he couldn't get there in time. So he needed someone to get him down in the water. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, I'll tell you what, I'll do you one better. I'll just heal you right here. See, so understand that you can't take and put your own spin on the Bible. And there's so many passages that way. And so my point is this, is this thing is connected to our heart. It's connected to our soul. And when we seek the Lord, there's something God does for us. There's something He does in us. And it's not because we lost Him, and it's not because we're looking for a manifestation, okay? Some who see the crowd that look for manifestations, they get concerned that, you know, I don't want to spend my life looking for a manifestation. Well, that's true. He said that they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. He followed that up with the statement where he said the young lions do lack and suffer hunger in Psalm 34.10. 
So if it's something that's good for us, now, if you trust in yourself, you won't seek the Lord in Isaiah 31.1. And you won't seek understanding if you trust in your own heart. But let's just say, like many of us, we do want to seek Him. And, and sometimes we really want to seek Him out and know Him and fellowship. And that fellowship is not based on getting something nobody else knows. Uh, it's not based on an over-emotional feeling. In fact, there's many times we, we're, we should seek the Lord when we need our faith bolstered, which means we don't see anything by sight. How am I, how are you seeking? Now in your Bible, you know in the Old Testament we find many references to the Father. But we find multiple references to the Father in the New Testament. And, and I want to point this out because I'm going to talk about four things about the Father, four places that we seek Him. Because He was in, He was seeking His Father's business in the Father's house. Now we know that they finally rejected Him and He said, your house is left unto you desolate. I get that. I do. But you and I have to stay in touch with the Scriptures and remind ourselves. All through our Old Testament, our New Testament rather, is the subject of the Father. Now, we know we come through the name and in the name of the Lord Jesus. But I do think that there's not near enough attention put on our relationship with the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit. In John 16, he said the Holy Spirit will not speak of himself. So it's okay to teach on the work of the Holy Spirit and the presence of him. But he's not going to bear witness to himself. He's going to bear witness to Jesus Christ. And whom did Jesus bear witness to? He bore witness to the Father. That's why it's so natural for us to think of him as our Father. In Romans 6, 4, he said, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. He was raised by the glory of the Father. God has this order in Him, though you will never, and I could never, I've never heard or read easily over a hundred different fellows who have written about this thing of the fatherhood of God and the completeness of God and the Trinity and all that. I've never read anybody. And if you added them up, they haven't all explained it. But we can observe it. And that's what gives us the blessing. Romans 15, verse 6, that ye, may be, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God. Who's God? Even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why does He make this distinction? Because it's good for us. It's good for us. He speaks of, uh, when He talks about the one God, He says the one God and the Father in 1 Corinthians 8. So, the question he asked them really hit me well. Because I think sometimes we need to review and say, Okay, Lord, how do I seek thee? How is it, he said, you sought me? How did you go about seeking me? Well, one of the places that we should seek him is the Father's house. The Father's house, which is where he did seek him. The Father's house. Now, you and I know that there's no one building on earth in the New Testament. There's no building that is strictly like the temple was or 
uh, of that Solomon built and then was rebuilt, nor the tabernacle of Moses' day. There's no one building like that. But we do know that where God's people meet, he calls it in 1 Timothy 3, where God's people gather, you know, the house of God. So I want to talk about it generically so you get the, a big picture, forced and not just the trees. When he cleansed that temple in John chapter 2, he said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house and house of merchandise. The father's house. God does have a place to meet you. He does have a place for us to seek him. Now, when you go looking for someone, uh, when they put out something, uh, you know, an all points bulletin or get a warrant or something, one of the first places they go is to look where they live, their dwelling. So where does our Lord dwell? Where does God dwell? Well, we need to remind ourselves that, yes, we attend and go to the house of God, but we are where God dwells. So it makes sense for me to say to myself, I'm sitting down and I'm saying, okay, Lord, where are you? What's going on? I want to seek you today, Lord. I just want to extra fellowship. And the first place to look is within. Not that I am God, but that that's where he dwells. He says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. Why did he say that? 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Because in the previous sentences, he says, What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. We need to look within. Seek Him within. We're not looking to see Him in ourselves, okay? We're not looking in a mystical sense in that way. But it is a mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We look in His house, at the Father's house. Believest thou that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, He doeth the works. So how can that be? I have no idea whatsoever, and you don't either. And I've never heard any 20 guys put together. If you pasted their thoughts together, you couldn't find it. I just know it's so. It's the mystery of godliness, 1 Timothy 3.16, that God was manifest in the flesh. It's a mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. But one of the places, how is it you sought me? Well, I'm going to seek you at the Father's house. And then I want to say, seek, I need to seek him where his, the Father's heart is. Have you ever asked yourself, where's God's heart? See, a lot of people think that that the, the assumptions they hear or some of the quippy little sayings that we make, that those tell us where God's heart is. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say that God's heart is? I, I'll give you one. Boy, this is a tough one now sometimes, especially in the day we live in. As much as people who profess to believe the Bible and they're straight as an arrow, you know, and, and tough as can be. He said this, 1 John 3, verse 1, if you want to mark it down. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God, therefore the war world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. The Father's heart, his love, was to send his Son so that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but also be able to carry the title of a Son of God, small s. 
Where's his heart to give us his name? Now look, the world doesn't know him, okay? His heart isn't in the world. In chapter 4, in 1 John, chapter 4, verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. How important is that? Because if we don't, in chapter 2, verses 12 to 17 down there, I got it highlighted in my Bible, my copy. He said, I write unto you little children. Now ready? He writes because your sins are forgiven you for his namesake. I write unto you fathers because you have known him. That's from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you've overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children because you've known the father. Now watch. I've written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I've written unto you young men because you're strong and the word of God abideth in you and ye have overcome the wicked one. What does he write to them? Verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, etc., etc. If any man love the world, the love of the father is not in him. And he goes on to describe it. So the father's heart. If I seek him, I got to seek out his house. Now, that's also, if you, can, if you can find, listen, if you can find a place to fellowship with people, I don't mean they got to be just like you because if they were, they'd probably be unfit to be with because you and I ain't fit completely to be with. But if we can, we find the Father's house. And secondly, we look for the Father's heart. So let's say there's someone you just like, Lord, I don't love this person. And Lord says, okay, why? What's wrong? We're not talking about loving wicked people. We're not talking about... But, you know, there's a lot of people that you ought to love and I must love because God said so, because they're God's people. Well, the third thing I thought of when I just ran some references for myself was not just the Father's house. Where, how is it you sought me? How am I going to seek God? I'm going to seek Him at His house. I'm going to seek the Father's house, the Father's heart, but also the Father's honor. It's called glory many times. It says to give Him the glory due unto His name in Psalms. And we're to honor Him. You know, when we begin to think about these matters, it starts filling our heart with a desire to honor Him. Your Bible says He received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to Him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. 2 Peter 1.17 There's so many references to the glory of the Father. There are so many uh, commands, you might say, so many (coughs) exhortations for us to be aware of and to honor and be be giving glory to the Father. He said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, capital F, of glory, May give unto you the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge, man. The Father of glory. There's something about fellowshipping with the Father. There's something about seeking His honor. Job did it, and Joseph did it, and Abraham did it, and Noah did it, and on and on. In fact, Hebrews 11 is a good passage to read sometimes just spontaneously. Why? So you can see this thing about His honor. He told, he told Peter in John 21, 19, he, he talked about by what death he would glorify the Father. So, how is that I sought him? I want to know him. Lord, I, I want to be in touch with you more. See, it's not that you're not sealed with the Spirit. <coughs> it's not that you're seeking some <clears throat> goosebump experience. 
You're not seeking an emotional high, but just saying, Lord, I want to seek you. I want to know you, Lord. Lord, how can I do that? How and where should I sit? The Father's house, the Father's heart, the Father's honor. When I'm seeking those things and I'm running the scriptures on them or I'm reminding myself of the promises, then I begin to seek Him. And then if you would, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And we'll talk about this last thing of the fathers, a place to seek Him. How is it you sought me? How did you seek me? What, how did you go about it uh, recently? <laughs> this happened several times. And I don't know if it's just because the process in my mind, someone will have trouble finding something, and I'll say, hey, if it's okay, let's just... Yeah, and this was on the phone, long distance. And we got to talking, and I said, well, what about this, and what about that? And while we're talking, they found it. Why? The process. How is it you sought me? How did you go about it? You ever notice when you go about it fran frantically, uh, you might miss it. It might be, ladies, in your pocketbook, in your purse, and you miss it because you go frantically. Fellas, it might be in your tool pouch or your backpack, but you're going quickly and, and just rushing through it and you miss it. It might be laying in the shadows of, of your backpack or your briefcase or just whatever, and you miss it. And so 1 Peter, 1 Peter and chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively, what, hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Who, who has begotten us to lively hope? Look, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can't dissect it. Please don't. Don't get eyes on the forest before you do the trees. But understand the Father's hope. He has resurrected us into a lively, what kind of hope? A lively hope. It's not just a hope way off after I die. It's not that just, you know, rare hope that it's going to be the rapture today, the catching away of the body of Christ. It's a lively hope on a daily basis. I don't know about you, but I need that. In fact, the times when, <coughs> excuse me, my faith is being tempted the most, I need the hope the most. So I thought about it. I really picture the Lord Jesus when He says to him, how is it you sought me? Mother, Joseph, how did you go about trying to find me? Hope this will be a little blessing to you, a little devotional. Father, use it, I pray thee, as only thou canst. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good day.